You're listening to the Who Are You podcast. How's it going, everybody? Once again, this is CR King in the house for another episode of the Who Are You podcast. Once again, I have Scott Kaleo as my co-host. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How about you? All right. Once again, what did we talk about just last episode <laughs> that you need to do? A little, like, are you ever good at anything? Am I good at anything? That's a completely <laughs> different question. No. <laughs> oh my God. Well, Scott, Thanks again so much for being here. We have an a, an amazing guest today. We got James Hill. Do you prefer Jimmy or James? Uh, I yeah. prefer Jimmy. Jimmy? I, I feel like you're trolling everyone by having your name as James Hill on Facebook. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how to use Facebook, so it's just what <laughs> well, happened. Well, Facebook blows anyways. I mean, I hate Dude. having it. It's it's like one of those things that you hate, but you have to have if you want to do stuff. If you want to do things, you know, I, I literally was about to leave for this podcast. My roommate's like, what are you going to go do? I'm like, I'm doing, I'm going to go do a podcast with Corey and, uh, Jimmy Hill. And he was like, you mean James Hill? And I was like, no, <laughs> he actually knew him as that. Yeah. Only. And that's why I was like, who the hell is Jimmy? <laughs> it's, it's like Superman when he puts his glasses on and he's like, who are you? <laughs> Anywho, I, well, for those who don't know. Jimmy Hill here is the owner, operator, and the founder of Amplified Wax Recording Studio. And starting from just his humble beginnings in the basement and grew it to one of the most successful studios here in Spokane. Not only that, but I'm pretty sure the the whole like the whole, historically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely one of the best in the state. I, I don't I don't know. I never leave the studio. I don't even know what's going on outside. So. <laughs> Is it good, guys? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would imagine, honestly, at this point that you could consider what you've done with your studio as like, now so there's going to be other places that are going to take offense to this, but I'm just going to not care. Go. But, uh, probably the biggest and most su- successful studio in the history of Spokane, honestly. Mm. Like if you really think about the time period and the length of time, and there's no big studio like the one that you just built from the ground up. Yeah, big, big dreams, baby. Yeah, oh, and yeah. You, and, and I you, remember when it was a warehouse. And I gotta say, man, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta say, for how long that you've been doing it, you've never, I've never felt that you've plateaued. Your the 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 sound that you produce just gets better and better every time, and you are also um, consistently investing back into your studio to get better gear to be able to get all of this um, cool ass shit and stuff. So I. I definitely commend you for being able to do it for as long as you have, and you're continuing to just get better and better. It's amazing. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I I think with what I've tried to achieve is building a scene. Like I have a I have a big goal, right? I have I have uh, the long game, as my singer Chris would would put it. And the long game for me is Spokane becoming a self serving self maintained scene where we don't have to worry about musicians trying to hustle for you know no money so that so they have to record in their house or something right i want to i want to create a space that can create a quality product and give them the experience that they could get even traveling to like a big market yeah. But then with that quality, also give them knowledge, which we're working on right now, to stream and make revenue on all these different platforms. Like my band has seen success. And then that in turn funnels back to the studio because people are affording 
things more and yeah i can keep reinvesting back like you said into the studio and more in gear and you know maybe in five years we'll have a neve console or an api console sitting there and then we'll really be like that investment from the bands back into this back into them back into this and everyone's making revenue and everyone's being able to tour and afford guitars and better gear like we can pull spokane out of what i call like the spokane rut and it's a rut because they've been in it for since i can remember i've been around for a long long time and it was always like line six and <laughs> like oh, Behringer. It just like the bear, like the crappiest gear, oh my right? Which translates to crappy shows, which translates to crappy studio recordings, and like I'm just single handedly, I'm just saying right now, like I'm trying to change all that so that people's expectations are like, whoa, we can actually have a scene here. Yeah, like, we exactly. could actually have people should want to move here. Yeah. Because I, it's so badass. Absolutely. I definitely agree. That's and, the long game. So. And, right. When I think it's already done pretty well, because and maybe this is just because I come from us. Uh, so I originally lived in Wenatchee, Washington, which is just basically central Washington. And it was a small town. We didn't really have a music scene. Like, no, you wouldn't. Fucking at all. No. So when I came here, it was like, this is fucking incredible in the first place. But it has grown exponen- exponentially over the time that I've lived here since I was about 19 years old. Yeah. And it has just blown the heck up. So I think what you're doing is already working. Well, even the club scene was stronger when I was coming up, but the studio scene was not as strong. Now I feel like the studios come up and then there's it's tougher to find places to play that are like quality. Like when I when I was coming up, I was in like reggae and like punk rock bands and stuff. And God, there was like 15 venues. Yeah. That all had amazing cultures and sound people and yep. had their own thing and like you could go catch all different genres any night of the week there'd be like the you know the the, the ska dudes over there and then there would be like the heavy rock dudes and like the new metal kids and then there'd be like hip-hop dudes i mean it was like it was really good and then it kind of wavered and now it's kind of getting back to things happening again like live but sure i don't know if that's just because we're competing with netflix and people don't go out as much but back then like you didn't have that so it was just like it was go to shows yep i, yeah. I wish that could happen again <laughs> no, absolutely. no now we have disney plus so. oh, god. oh my gosh you know it, kind of on that same note aside from you know going to shows and everything i miss i really wish that i grew up in the days like the sandlot where it's just like our our idea of a good time was just going and playing baseball. We just going that. and, and Dude, getting I, a bunch of my, You're talking see, about see, my see, childhood. See, yeah, when actually, that was actually mine. Like, I, I got concussions from riding my bike in ways I probably shouldn't have been nice. trying to do. Like, we used to, uh, on our block, we would get our bikes, and we had this just this short block, but cars would always come past at, like, maybe 20 miles per hour. So we'd like get to one side of the block and then race each other, race the cars that would come past. So we'd like wait for the car to come past and then like get a head start and then try to beat them to the other side. We did yeah. dangerous shit. Yeah, see like, I, and I, I feel like my childhood was is so boring. I'm not going to have a fun story to tell my kids. They're going to be like, oh dad, what, what's all the crazy shit that you did? And it was like, oh man, we lived in some crazy times. We had Pokemon Yellow in our Game Boy pockets. It was all in black and white. And we... <laughs> And man, we would sit in our bed all day before you knew it. It was dinner time. <laughs> well, so like I lived in that area you're talking about. Like we had uh, Loma Vista Park was right one one house between me and the park. So it was like my, the house in, behind us in the backyard. And then if you walk through their walkway, then it was the park. And I knew those kids. So I would be there and we just go like hit home run derby all day before they put up all those trees and that stupid swing set thing. But 
we, like literally my mom would be like, don't come home till it's dark. You know what I mean? Or like come home for dinner or come home when it's dark. And we would just, we just roam the neighborhoods. Yeah. And it was like not a big deal. And now, like I got two kids and we, they don't even go outside. It's like, in some statistic I heard was, I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> uh, the statistic was basically saying that we are we were more likely to get abducted in the 80s like nationwide it was like the most dangerous time for that kind of crime yeah. 10 15 times more dangerous than it is now but we have 10 to 15 times more media more access to everything more fear right so no one's going outside yeah, for real. Huh? It's, that, that's it's a too great, bad. That's an interesting way to think about it too. That because we have the technology, it creates fear. That's the that, way I view it. Yeah. Is why? Yeah. Or maybe we just quit going outside because it was dangerous as shit back then, and then it dropped off. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. No. Maybe maybe it was warranted. I don't know. But statistically, we're like we all have this perception. Or at least I have this perception that like if I let my kids go outside, they're going to get abducted. Yeah. Right. They're going to end up in a Mexican cartel camp somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what not, I think. not that that is funny. No, but it, no, it is funny because that's how I feel. I'm like, I'm like, it's probably if I let him outside, like you don't know, you never know. And then come to find out, actually, there's like the amount of people that actually get abducted right now is way less than it was twenty. Years yeah, ago. Oh, absolutely. But, but I think that does come from like you get on the internet for like you can get on Facebook for like ten minutes and you'll see some horrible story of somebody getting kidnapped and something. Yeah, happening. but you see it now. Before yeah, exactly. It was like you had to watch the. You had to read the paper. Or yeah. or hear it from your neighbor, Dave. Yeah, yeah and he Dave. was like, did you hear about that kid and blah, blah, blah? And you're like, no. No shit. <laughs> Those Duke boys are at it again. Yeah. yeah. But, um, Jesus, yeah, I I I I really wish that I lived in those times. But yeah, I, I well, I was lucky enough that I really did. Like we, me and my brothers played sports constantly. We played touch football. That wasn't touch football. We like would go out and play basketball, and like, what was that? Like, <laughs> you you did the quote like touch football, and I was like, instead of like tackle football, oh, Jimmy, you call God, it you call damn. it touch, <laughs> we call it flag football. <laughs> But we didn't have flags. Oh, you just like we were two, poor. Like two, just like, <laughs> two hand touch. Oh, you just two, two, hand, two touch. hand touch. Okay. Yeah. So, but it's like you tell your parents it's two hand touch, so you don't get in trouble. But then you come home like all bruised and dirty yeah. and yeah. stuff. It's Someone's amazing. gonna get laid out no matter what. But yeah, I yeah. mean, when I was a kid, we did ride bikes. We did maybe go to the park and shoot a couple of hoops. But like, I never lived in the time where I was able to get eighteen people together to go and play a game of baseball. Like. That is that was so difficult for me to do because I mean you what is it, it it's nine people per team right on the field I you need at least so. nine whoever people. you got yeah exactly yeah. sometimes one guy's playing I mean in real baseball I don't know it's like twelve people or something like yeah that, but. oh gosh I can't even dude I, I haven't watched where did nine forever. come from I don't even know where that came from but, but I bet you if you said that to most of the country they would disagree with you. <laughs> You say it, co- you I'm say actually it thinking confidently about the, enough. I, I'm thinking about the positions. I think 12 is football, 9 is baseball. That's right. Yeah. 12, no, no, 11. Uh, football's 11. 11, because the 12th mm. man. Because the 12th man when. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Hey. Hey. But, <laughs> never forget it now. But yeah, it's like, and, and like even nowadays, it's like, I, you know, you don't know what you got until it's gone. Well, I never had it. So like, you know, nowadays I tried to get people together to do like a softball league and it's so freaking hard nowadays. No, one, you should You should relive your glory days now. I, but I can't because no one wants to play baseball with me. <laughs> I'll play baseball with you. Cause but like, the thing is, like, oh, I, I always have like maybe one or two people that are like super down with it. But then it's like, okay, now we need to find eight other people that are willing to 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 pay money for this entry fee. And then they're like, 
then you got to give up your Tuesday and Thursday evenings to do it. No one yeah. wants to do that shit. Yeah. So they're like, I got Disney Plus. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, we're just going to be a huge campaign for Disney Plus on this episode. Brought to you by Disney Plus. Well, we're trying to get picked up, right? So we'll just say it as much as possible. Just Disney. as much as we can. So I've I've had uh, so earlier you mentioned uh, the idea of maybe you guys potentially getting a console. I've always actually wondered why like you built this big studio and then you didn't have a console. I which had a is, console. Well, well, yeah, at Garland, I remember that, but well, like it was in there too. It, it's in there. Where it was. Is it? It's not there anymore. It was in there. So why didn't you set it up? It it was it was set up for about a year actually. Um, I think it was off to the side though. So oh, okay. So the reason why there's two reasons. The main one was I don't know if you've ever sat down and listened to my monitoring system yes it's, it's inc- incredible it's incredible i can't it's ruined me like i went to a buddy's studio the other day and now i, I feel like an elitist asshole because i'm like uh, i can't i can't i can't i can't really judge what's going on because i'm not listening to my fucking <laughs> phantom focus <laughs> it's terrible i can't judge anything anymore it's totally ruined me so that dude his name's carl tatz uh it was a whole ordeal for people that don't know. He flew over. We lasered speakers. They're his speakers. Like I think Dynaudio actually makes his speakers. Wow, which is crazy. Like they have yeah. his Phantom Focus name as a little side hustle from Dynaudio. They're like, here you go, Carl. Sell these, bro. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. So uh, he lasered those in. But when we were talking on the phone, he says, "What are you gonna do with that console?" I was like, "Well, I was hoping we could, you know, shoot the room with that in the middle." He's like. Apparently, the reflections from those consoles are so terrible that it just ruins all the imaging on his. Oh mixes. wow! Never thought so, about that. I so, never thought about that either. So he has the Argosy two de- two bay desk thing. I don't know what their version of it's called, but it's the one I have. That also came from him. But I knew I was going to do this someday. I just like the desk though, so I bought it like five years earlier. That was at Garland and Studio B forever. Yeah. So, but that desk was always the part of the plan. And I knew that he liked that desk. It's all part of his like turnkey tuning method. Like he comes in, lasers the speakers, sets up the desk just so, and does his shit. And when he's all done, it sounds like what you heard. Yeah. So a console would actually make it the imaging worse. Wow. Wow. So basically, so what are you going to do? In the future, is that, does that mean you're not going to get a console? Does no, mean- I think he said he said it could be done. He just prefers not to. So I'm like willing to like, well, if my monitoring is still pretty good and I can have a Neve or an API console, like, I don't know. I also thought about having a different desk where they're more like built into the desk. So it's the same okay. angles, but it's just like it's flush. It's flush with the desk. I yeah, think that, that would, would be, be fine. Yeah. So it would just be new furniture at that point. Gotcha. Yeah, I always just wondered. And I, I remember the other desk that you had because I remember coming to Garland and seeing that. Yeah, uh, and this, the second reason <laughs> is I feel like, and I have to do some research on those Neve desks and the API desks. I think they have automation, at least on the faders. But there's two sides to my workflow. Like if I get a console, then I'm going to have basically presets, Right. So if I have channel one through eight or my drums and they're always kind of EQ'd a certain way, then sure. every time I all I have to do is plug the kick into those channels and like it's into Pro Tools, it's kind of like having a, a template and presets right. ready yeah. to go. The other thing is though that if you do make adjustments to that stuff and a band just wants to come in and do a quick 
overdub or something or or a change, you have to like repatch all that shit. So uh, I did get to try recently. I was in Portland working in a studio called the Hallowed Halls, and they had the Neve. It starts with a G something, and it it <laughs> yeah for godly yeah something like that. <laughs> and when I did that, it, it does have a form of automation. The system was a little bit complicated. When yeah, it came to, I like, know it wasn't like super easy to get into. But I think once you do get it, you can do all that. So I I saw an opportunity to buy like a fucking huge ass SSLG console from like the night. Oh my god! Woo. For like. $15,000. I would do anything for and that. And it just so happened at the time that I could have made that happen through credit cards and savings and shit. Like, I could sure. have done it. The thing that turned me off was A, the Carl Tatz thing. And the second thing was, is when I talked to the dude about, he's like, I was like, does it have automation? And he goes, yeah, totally. I was like, good, because I do a lot of bands in a month and I don't want to like have to patch everything all the time. It's going to be a yeah. nightmare. Nobody's going to want to, it's a, a huge time waster for me. And he's like, so the automation is off these floppy drives? And it like, <laughs> no. like five and a half inch floppies. Oh, fuck. And Love I was it. like, okay, I'm not going to buy your console. Man, yeah. I would have been like, deal. I've been looking for a reason to ha- use these floppies <laughs> for my story. That was the thing. It's like, I, I was like, is there anything newer? And he's like, that's just how they were, bro. Oh, that's such a bummer too. I've always been such a fan of the channel strip on those. That the, I just loved the compression, love of the EQ, all, all like API. Well, yeah, strips. no, like, they're all good. I, yeah. I mean, but the SSL's got like a cool thing, right? Um, I don't know. I I want one so bad just for the like. I have this, like I said, the the template thing. I have this vision of just having everything kind of basically how I like to do shit, and then it's always there. And sure. Then I can just tr- even if it was just a tracking device would be awesome for all the pre's, but I have right. all the pre- I have tons of pre's. I mean, yeah. I, got, I got like twenty four channels of pre's right now for yeah, real, and that, and that's why I've always wondered if it would be it would be kind of hard for you to take that step because you already have really great pre's. You have Neve. You well, have... what I would do is probably sell most of them. I'd keep maybe like the API if I got like a Neve console. I'd keep one of the APIs just for flavor. Yeah, and I would sell all the other shit to help pay for it. Like I could have sold all of those pieces that I have and got that. 48 channel fucking SSL console. I just paid for, like one would have paid for the other. Yeah, well, that would have been great. But then it's like you think about all of the years it took you to buy that shit. Yeah, you're like, I don't want to sell all this. I want to keep it. (laughs) I kind of want to just keep it, and I hate selling that shit online, especially anything electronic wise, because I'm just always terrible. It's Uh, it's not easy because you're. I mean, electronics have bad, um, already have bad enough uh, shelf life as far as like the the value of it. Just because whenever they come out with a brand new version of it, then it's like the old one just drops in price so much, and then you're dealing with people who are buying it and then saying like, oh. It doesn't work. So there's an echelon of gear that you won't take a bath on, but you got to spend two to three thousand dollars. Yes, exactly. that is true. So okay, so yeah, so there are like there right are, now I'm on I'm on Reverb buying like distressors and oh those will never they're never going to be less than twelve hundred. Well, and that's like and that's like the most popular compressor right now. Yeah, I just I just bought two, but piggybacking on what you said about shitty online buying, even Reverb, like this dude. He packages it up in a cereal box. 
No. What what cereal oh, was it? Cereal. I know it totally is irrelevant. <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't cereal. It was it was that consistency, but it was like a Nerf gun. Oh no. I was hoping oh, he like packed gosh. it in some Cheerios or some no, shit no, no. like that. <laughs> he just packed it. He just he put a little thin piece of bubble wrap and put it in a box that was basically a Nerf gun box with no space between it. It was like it was thin. Dang. This is the distressor that I bought. Oh my lord! And then he throws that inside of a if it fits it ships UPS box, which is also very small and thin. Was like no packing, so I get it. I unbox it. I do a lot of unboxing videos nowadays because Instagram for one, and then just to protect my ass. And I had oh yeah, I had it going on this one. And first thing, sure as shit, the rack ears bent all the way back. Oh my god! Like cracked all the black paint on the distressor. So I call him up. I'm like. He's like, oh, I'm glad I got the insurance, and God, it fucking sucks when they do that. And I'm like, yeah, but in their defense, like, you kind of pack this like shit. Like, if you're going to send a piece of gear through the mail, like, I always do two boxes with foam and shit around it, and even then, stuff happens. Yeah. So, the fact that this dude just basically, it would have been the same if he just sent it without a box. There was yeah. no protection. Like that, Good Lord. That little bit of bubble wrap probably lost its air within five hours of travel. And that's so much like money that you're making. You'd figure like, okay, I'm going to be making that amount of money off of this gear. I should probably mm-hmm. like protect it. So I hooked it up just to, you know, fucks with it. And I had another one that I bought from a different guy, which came fine. And I was doing some stereo drums crushing. And then I can't fucking live without them now. And I had <sighs> to send them back to the manufacturer. Um, which they're sending back on Tuesday. Both of them completely like updated and calibrated, like new pots and all the shit. Well, that's Holy cool. Shit. That's cool. But I've had to live without them for another two weeks, and it's just like once you get a distressor in your rack or two, you you almost can't mix without it. Yeah, there's I, nothing that does drums like those things. Yeah, especially like I was uh, when I was in Portland recently doing that. They also had a pair of distressors, and just for the fuck of it uh we had some time at the end that they uh they had paid for bulk days at that studio and they basically had hired me for those days but they still had paid so it was like okay i got i have to do something with this time and we kind of fucked around with some other shit too but i went ahead and just did like a parallel crush of my drums all the way across where i just like crushed the living shit out of it through the distressors and then ran that parallel to my normal mix and it was something special i i i love that and then if you listen to the latest um, Becoming Ghosts track that we just did, it's literally just 20 to 1, attack it like slowest attack, release at like two and a half, just almost into the red. Like not as a parallel, just... Yeah. but and, and it still sounds good. It sounds like the best, like it's it's so compressed. It fi- I mean, it fits that that track really good because they're a sure. piece and it's just like big roomy rock and roll drums you could yeah. almost just distort the shit out of them and sound good but even that it doesn't get squashy like all my yeah. other stuff right and i i it was really hard for me to send those back to the factory for repair because i was <laughs> like fuck i'm gonna have to just do editing for two weeks and not mix because what do i do now and right like, yeah i need these things and i had the plug-in and i don't know dude it's just not the same it's yeah. not the fucking same. Which plug-in version are you using? I have the Slate one. I have the Universal Audio one. I think those are the two I have. Nice. And they're great. They're supposed, yeah. they're supposed to be both really good emulations, but they didn't sound... Like, yeah. I couldn't just... And then and then have it sound completely intact. I, I can agree getting the tri 
try the emulation and trying the real thing i just there it's that factor that you said the factor that you can't just crush it like you can a real distressor that's the biggest thing i noticed between the emulation is like if you try with the emulation it like almost pretty quickly sounds like it's being compressed like really really hard yeah so shipping yeah uh totally they gave me like 200 bucks off though they and and so the guy bought insurance and he was thinking that was going to save his bacon and then reverb quickly like started asking me for videos and photos and it was going to be like a month or two and then he's like why do i even pay for the insurance if this is going to be like just a roast fest like they're just looking for the out because they have third-party insurance it's not reverb insurance it's some Affleck yeah. shit that is right. worse. Like they just want to get get the out. Dude's an idiot though. I mean, they, if, I they, mean, if you're getting that much money for it, I, I know that he's probably trying to save money on shipping by like putting it in the least amount of packing yeah. stuff as possible. But I mean, it's just like when you're making that much money off of a piece of gear, why? Yeah, for real. It's probably my fault because I did talk him down quite a bit. I, I mean, if you put make offer on there, like I'm gonna try. <laughs> I'm gonna look at the the last sales of the those last six months and like just grill you for the lowest one. Like I almost had a U87 for eighteen hundred bucks the other day. Like I just find the right dude oh who's just God. can't make bills this month and he's got to sell it and it's been up for, and I look for sales too. I'll be like, this is tips for anybody buying gear on Reaver. It I look for um, how long it's been, longer the better, and I look for uh, the lowest prices that they've gone for and i just feel out people i'm like hey how like i've got money right now cash ready i can i can make all your problems go away and just oh my god give you this 1800 bucks <laughs> oh cash gosh. you can go pay all your shit off oh my god you spent up for six months bro you're gonna be another six months at the price you're at and <laughs> they just they just fucking cave man i <laughs> i feel like a dick, but, but it's like the art of like getting a good deal on equipment yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. You're the you're the person that I'm afraid of when I'm selling things online. Oh, I hate dealing with those people. I learned a long time ago that this shit's expensive, and making music, the musicians don't have a lot of money. So I need to. If I want the gear I want, I've I've got to be a fucking shark. Yeah, like, I got to go online and like get the best possible deal because I'm either spending twenty eight hundred dollars on a used U eighty seven, or I'm spending eighteen hundred dollars. That's a thousand dollars. I can go buy another thing yeah. like a distressor and get a two true now i've got my next session covered with two badass things true and i and i get that i i think i i'm a little bit too nice when it comes to like going and buying stuff i think most of the time whenever i i went and contacted someone on like craigslist or facebook marketplace ve- actually very rare that i ask them lower than what they're asking i'll just be like i'll take it oh no and and, and i know that <laughs> but that's, but that's the thing like is, that's like a starting point of like <laughs> how serious is this guy <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and sometimes they're like firm, like this is the lowest that I'll take. Or I mean, if they put or best offer, then I'm going to I'm going to ask for something a little lower. But I guess if I was going into if I was spending a lot of money and I needed to get a lot of stuff, I'd probably be a little bit more into like trying to get better deals. But if it's like I don't need to buy anything, but this looks pretty cool. It's like, you know what? I don't think I don't think I need to ask for half of it because there's those douchebags. No, no, no. Well, here's these douchebags. You don't want to insult you... somebody. Oh, I I hate getting those on Craigslist. It's like I'll I'll, I'll sell something that's like okay, it sells new for this. It sells used for six hundred. I'm gonna sell it for four hundred. Someone says, hey, I'll give you 120 bucks for it. And it's like to a point, it's like, <laughs> no. do you? That's do you... that's insulting. And I you know. Just, you just don't respond. What I do is I look at the history because they'll tell you on one of those graphs. I forget how to get there, but on every 
thing that's for sale, they'll show you what the last 12 months sales history has been. True. For the, for, and I think you can filter for condition. So if it's like excellent used condition, you can find out what the last, and I'll, I'll start with the lowest. Sure. My mom, my mother is a, <laughs> she's a, she's like a coupon sales nice. deal <laughs> queen. Like she taught me everything I know and I've just applied it to my, my thing, but start at the bottom. It's not insulting because you can prove that things have actually moved at that price. Yeah. So you start there and then usually what they'll do is they'll come down a half. So even if it was, they started at 2,400 and one sold for 18, you're going to end up at like 21. Yeah. I definitely, which is still $700 less than where they started. Yeah. And they're going to feel good about it. Like, cause you know, they, they, I've even told them, I was like, bro, look at the sales history on this thing. You, you want top, top. You've had this thing up for six months. Like I'm ready to go with money right now. What do you want to do? Boom. Right. And th- and sometimes it takes a few days. You've got to be patient. Sometimes they'll get back. I've had people wait three days. Oh, hell no. I'm not doing that. And then three days later, like, so. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I lack patience. So that's probably why I'm not super good gotta at it. Patient. I mean, I still. You always lo- got to be willing to walk away. I still look at my parents' uh, closet for Christmas presents. I'm 28 years old. And every time I go over there. Do during- you really? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I hate surprises. I like to know things right then and there. When, when I was watching Breaking Bad, I got really tired of not knowing what was going to happen. So about halfway through season three, I just Wikipedia the rest of the whole series. So I knew what would happen. But that's just me. But uh, I always knew how (laughs) impatient you were. I didn't know it was to that level. It's really bad. I mean, ask my wife. It's really really bad. I'm like the opposite. Like, I don't want to know a fucking thing about the rest of the show. I want to experience every moment. I I mean, if I if I get to any part in season one, if it's within the first three episodes and there's a lot of tension and it's going to take them five seasons to to resolve it i'll look that shit up <laughs> it's like i cannot handle this stress right now i, I think the, i think the, <laughs> i think the worst i get with that which isn't really that bad is if like is if i'm wondering if a character died in like and i'm watching a show that's actually up to current date but i'm like oh my god i have to wait for like six months to find out if they died i'll like look up in a couple months who's in the casting of the next season mm. And sure. see if whether or not that person's still there. That that's about as spoiler as I'll get for right. myself. Or I'll look up like if it, I have all the seasons, I'll just look up that season, and be like season six, this character, and see if pictures come up. That's like, that's true. I mean, I also like watching horse um, historical videos because it's history. It's already been it's already been written. I already know what's gonna happen. So it's like there's no stress there. <laughs> it's like um, it's like uh, the end of like what was it like Troy or something is like, Oh yeah, I know, I know that the dude's dead. Right. He's, he's going to die. So it's like, it's oh, it's all good. I mean, <laughs> it's like all the, all the things leading up to it. It's like, Oh my God, is he going to die? He's like at some point, but we're half an hour through. It's a two and a half hour movie. I know it's going to take a little bit for him to actually kick <laughs> right. the bucket, but uh real quick, just kind of going off of the couponing. This, this reminded me super off, off topic. Um, my mother-in-law actually does hardcore couponing and she does it so hardcore that when she goes to Walmart, she makes money. Yeah, they they actually take money out of that, <laughs> out of the cash like, register to give her because she's amazing. so. I, I like I like once worked at Target when I was like seventeen. You know and, all about it, and, <laughs> and that is the worst thing to ever come up to. Like when when you see that fucking Karen haircut. Oh, the, you can fucking, I speak to a manager haircut? Yeah, yeah, and you fucking know, and she like has them ready. You're like, oh fuck me, she <laughs> okay. has spent hours at home. <laughs> 
researching and cutting and, and organizing and she and, knows and you know, and you know to the she, dollar what she's going to get back. <laughs> and she knows how to rebuttal everything you're going to say. Oh, like yeah. If you try to say anything, she has Damn, every Oprah. perfect comment. I know there was some situations on Oprah where people were like giving them the playbook. They're like, mm-hmm. this is the OG playbook on how to do this. And some people, they took they took notes. Oh There's like an army of them. Another, another thing that... Um, Going on that whole like pro- like how to like get deals and shit. My mom taught me, and I've only done it once, but it worked. So sure, if I get the opportunity again, I'm gonna do it. Uh, this was back when when flat screen televisions were big screens were like a giant ordeal. Right? Oh my oh, god, yeah. Those it was were like the it worst. was like it took three dudes to load it in the truck. Oh, they had the big back. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah that was so, horrible. <laughs> so I was rolling over to this dude uh, on Craigslist who had it up for sale, and he wanted like nine hundred or a thousand dollars for this thing. And uh, my mom's like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to get this for 600 bucks. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, I, don't, I, I feel uncomfortable yeah, asking right. somebody for that. She's like, no, here's what you do. You got cash? I'm like, well, of course I have cash. She goes, get the denominations in like 50s or hundos and lay them out on the table. And every single stack or, or bill, slowly put it back in, into your wallet. Oh, he, she says, lay out 600. Don't lay out 1,000. Like, lay out 600. If you can do 50s or 20s, it takes longer. Sure. So you can add some drama. She's like, if they, if they, <laughs> they'll be like, no, I'm not doing that. And you're all there and you got all the cash laid out and you start putting it back in your wallet one by one. She's like, by the time you get to that last bill, they cave every time. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. That is genius. It's like the psychology of like the money is literally walking out the door. And they can't fucking handle it. Like they just, and most, I did it with, oh, I did it twice. I did it with a Tacoma, a Toyota Tacoma. It was a $10,000 purchase. The guy wanted thirteen five, and I stacked it up and he's like, motherfucker, fine. You drove here because I drove to Portland and yeah, it was like a whole trip. And uh, I, I started stacking the bills back in the TV and, and they were like, no, and by the time I got to, he's like, honey, honey, just take it. And I was oh like, oh my God, he's like, awesome. fine. So <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it works. It's That's like, amazing. it's like the psychology of it leaving. And like the fact that it's like, everybody's there to, to do this deal. And it's literally, you're just like, all right. And it always takes to the last, the last bill, that last ones, the real. I'm going to try that, but in <laughs> ones. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or maybe a you're jar. You're there for three hours. Like <laughs> just a jar of pennies. Oh just be gosh. like, you're, you're about to lose out on a good opportunity here, man. I think and the just, bigger <laughs> bills sell the better. Have you guys ever had a client do that to you? Where they pay you in ones? Oh, I remember. Oh, yeah, dude. I remember I'm someone a, I did that to musicians. you. Yeah. Oh, shot shots. Shot, oh, what is shots fired? Big bang. I actually missed what you said. What did you say? I said, yeah, I work with musicians. I yeah. get paid ones all the time. So I like, oh, hey, my god. This is, well, oh, because oh, yeah. you know they get paid. Oh like, no, but they you get yeah. paid. You they, get paid in show money. Is how they, I they paid yeah, me entirely true. on purpose in ones. Oh no, that hasn't happened. Yeah, they were trolling me. And, and your bank, like ATM, only does one bill at a time when you're um, depositing. Yeah. So you have to sit there, and you don't feel a ton better going into the bank and being like, "I'm sorry." This wasn't me. <laughs> oh my god! But here's three hundred ones. See, I like I like that cashing. Was really early I like on. cashing my my paychecks in ones, so it looks like I have more, and I can put it in a briefcase. <laughs> and it's like I don't think you know what what ten thousand dollars looks like, except for in the movies. It's like one <laughs> one little stack, like from Dodgeball. You know, good stuff. I just 
I don't know. I, I used to be a bank teller and uh, I'd see all, oh, that's right. all different kinds of money coming in. Strippers are always, they smell like uh, Victoria's Secret and just the bills in your drawer just smell amazing all day. And yeah. then there's oh like the drug dealers, they all smell like pot and they're like, all grimy and such. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's really interesting what people bring you. I used to have this one chick that would like just go stick cash in a safety deposit box, which we weren't supposed to know. And it was actually illegal for her to do that. But She's a stripper and she just come in and just boom, 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 just fill those oh fucking things up with cash. Oh my god. So <laughs> so funny thing, we're about we're about 36 minutes in and that is a perfect segue to kind of bring back to how you started. You know, we're like oh so far god. into this already. It's like yeah. so you so you told you were saying that you used to be a bank teller and from what I understand, you did that before you even got into studio um work. Well, I mean, yeah, I was uh, my, if you want to go to my deep history, I was a student at Eastern, and I was like part time working at Washington Mutual as a oh, teller. Okay. So through the years, I also like through that whole period of like Eastern, I also had a band. And then as soon as I graduated, I bought a house uh, through the bank I worked for. They made it really easy, so I got like a first time home buyer program house, and they just like, yeah, just go to this class, do this thing. And then I built this rehearsal space in that basement. Oh, okay. And then from there, it turned into recording stuff. So the bank deal was kind of like my day job. And then I was doing like my band, like, you know, when you're young, like you're trying to do it. We were, we were Absolutely. trying to do it. We were trying to get signed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, back then there was no, that's how you did it. Yeah, that's how you did it. Was it was MySpace and get signed. You know, it was, there wasn't like YouTube or Spotify or whatever. MySpace. Um, yeah. So MySpace. After, I mean, it, 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 we're talking like a, like a long arc, but I'm condensing. So the thing about the bank that was nice was I was able to buy that house and I was also able to understand, um, just kind of the ins and outs of how money worked better and financing and getting credit up and like that all matters when you're doing Sweetwater credit cards and yep buying gear yeah. and selling gear and um, I thought that was really helpful but I hated it in the end and uh, they offered me a management position in Seattle which would have been a huge like step up it wasn't just a pay raise it was like the trajectory of your career is now going to be where this was this path it would be a, a game changer right and I had to make a choice at 26 years old like I'd been kind of dabbling in recording I'd been uh, playing with my band, like we've been a band for like seven years at that point, and playing all these different states and stuff. And I had to make a choice: was I going to quit all that because I knew that this thing was going to be like this is your new life, right? And I was reflecting at the time of how unhappy I had been in my relationships, including my new wife. Like we'd been dating for five years, we got married, and I was just kind of miserable. So this new husband she has is like declining in mental state. Sure. This is is a dick. I right. was being a dick because yeah. every day was so non-interesting. Right. How many fucking loan paperwork documents can you file like over and over and over again for years until you're just like a robot? Right. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And then all that there is is money. That's the only th- carrot because right. the job is not fun. Sure. So. Uh, they offered me the job and I took the night to think about it. I didn't talk to Mandy or anything and I just went in the next day and I think they were expecting a different answer, but I just told them I'm not doing it. 
and I say they were like, well, are you going to stay here then and not move up? I'm like, no, I'm actually going to quit. Jesus. Bold. And they were like, oh, you're making a mistake. That's a terrible idea. Like, what are you going to do? And I came home and I told Mandy that I'd quit. And she was kind of shocked. Kind of shocked, not shocked, because she knew, like I said, like I was being an asshole. But um, (laughs) (laughs) she's like. So she knew. (laughs) So she's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm saying, well, I'll just open up a studio in our basement. And that was my answer. And then I said, (laughs) I said, don't worry, I'm going to go to school again. So I went to the falls and started doing live sound at night and I just threw myself balls deep man right head over head first and um there was a little bit of a severance kind of thing from the bank like maybe six grand uh I had to give the other six to the government because it was like a retirement plan you, give, uh, okay. you cash it in you give yeah. half to them right away until you're if, if you're not 60 years old or some shit sure so I bought a laptop pro tools some some drum mics that was about it that's all that that goes six grand goes really fast it's yeah like, it really does computer I mean, headphones couple mic stands interface bubble, you're, oh you're at five grand yep you're done and i'm talking like a 002 rack like the shittiest, 002, the shittiest sounding box <laughs> on the planet oh my god not knowing that that was a huge hindrance to my sound but also that i didn't know what i was doing anyway so um Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean that's that was the tri- that was the transition. I also worked for the Arena Opera House INB facilities sure. for a while, um, and I made some money there. But I mean that's that's part time. That's pretty cool though, man. I mean that's that's a big risk, you know, changing careers like that, especially going into something like brand new. Well, I mean not brand new in the sense that, like you were like super new at it. At least you were a little bit familiar with I, music I had, and audio and stuff. But yeah, I had run the bands rehearsal sound and it kind of started improving there too where it was like where we just had mics and a PA then it evolved into mics into a DAW and then out through the PA and we could record and then I would do mixes and sure like I was getting good enough where it wasn't sounding terrible but if you if you listen to those old mixes even the ones I thought were good it's just like I mean, anybody who starts yeah. out is like, oh, man, if I if I, I, I showed wish you, I could delete so much from existence, dude. If I showed <sighs> you guys some of my first mixes where I was like, damn, this sounds so good, and then then I listen to it now, and it's like, my god, no. <laughs> I, I I remember listening to yours, Scott, like back when you lived uh, oh, no. in that one house when we first met each other. Yeah. And you were showing me some of these mixes and you're like, man, this is the best mix I ever thought of. And I know for a fact, if you went back and listened to that mix, you would be like throwing up. <laughs> I love how he says that like he doesn't remind me of these mixes. He'll send them to me every once in a while and be like, remember this? No, I get I get bands <laughs> like from, from bands that, I, I don't know, maybe they were like a metal band that I had recorded like one time and the mix was, you know, good for what I thought at the time. And, They'll tell me stories about like, well, we, you know, we were gonna pick you or this other guy in the studio, but like that mix, you know. And I'm like, dude, that was fucking 15 years ago. Like, that's what you're basing your oh decision gosh. process on. Like, I will tell you that'd be, I wouldn't go to me if you were judging that. But yeah, that was sure. Like a lifetime ago, and I've been grinding for 60 hours a week for the last 15 years. I mean, right? It's a progr- it's a slow and steady and the 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 times change the technology changes the education changes like it was unheard of when i started out to uh go online and have somebody give you all their secrets 
Yeah, yeah, that wasn't true. that wasn't a thing. Like nobody did that. No, and it, it goes like three steps further now. Like I think the last time I I saw you, you and me were talk. I went to your studio and we talked about uh, Nolly a little bit. Yeah, that dude literally mixes on headphones. Now, obviously, he uses Sonar Works to make sure it's flat, but he literally uses headphones and a laptop, and that's how he mixes. Yeah, and like ten years ago. That was like the worst sin in audio. You couldn't even think about oh, mixing no rules anymore. And and, yeah. it, and it's for him. It works because he's traveling and he's got to make some money. And like when he was in his band and doing mixing, like I don't know how the hell he could do that. Oh, for real. I mean, I I've got a good friend who actually started mixing on his uh, headphones and everything, and uh, he gets deployed and he goes and actually continues to work on bands mixes while he's out of the country or he's i mean he's still in the military but he works with bands and does mixing so it's zane it is zane yeah he no I, that's what i was thinking of when i was talking about the dudes who you know i used to record like back in the day and it's like yeah those mixes i'm like zane bro like I, we if you remember I, like, I didn't even finish that mix right like i think the band broke up or didn't have the 50 bucks yeah. I was asking for the mix, so we just <laughs> never did it. Yeah. So like the board mix is what you're basing. Sure. Like exactly. in my in my perspective, it's like, well shit, if I would actually even back then had time, right. Then that would have even and I don't remember if that was him or not. But I, I, I love Zane. He came over when he was here and uh we were talking about he loves distressers too. And we're just we're both like if we could start a distressor club, yeah, we, we would do it. The d- the dude I'll show up. <laughs> <laughs> and that yeah, and that dude is amazing. I mean, he he's grown in his mixes like so much oh just within gosh. the last couple of years. Oh, I love it. It's Gen- it's genuinely, ridiculous. Genuinely incredibly absolutely impre- impressive what he's done. Yeah, absolutely. You, 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 and you can tell like the dudes who have it or don't. Yeah, absolutely. Either you're either gonna soak up every day. I mean, I'll go home from work and sit on YouTube and just like flip through videos of uh, the URM stuff yeah. or metal or or sure. there's, or like um I'm really enjoying um fuck I said earlier I wasn't gonna be able to do names very good. Uh <laughs> but the the guy who's who's done like Smash Mouth and stuff um gosh I don't know that guy Eric Valentine. Oh, okay. Uh, that, that doesn't sound familiar. I, I think to me. he did Taking Back Sunday records too. That okay. were like really fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is the dude you might remember him with the uh, Pensados Place episode with the drumbrella. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that? Where yeah. The, he has the umbrella on a winch and it changes. That's Eric Valentine. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So cool. he's he's older now and I don't think he has that studio anymore. But he still is like kind of late to the game, but still doing it very well. Where he'll go in and pull open like a a, a Taking Back Sunday record and show what he did like right. in the box right sure so and he's just doing it for free he's not charging for the information but god there's some good stuff in there there's like sure. he, has Absolutely. Dis- he has distressors and i think zane watched that and then told me and then i watched it i'm like that's how i got the 20 to 1 ratio sure fa- like slowest attack thing and that was him like eric valentine was like yeah dude this is what all i do and listen to these drums and, and so that didn't exist yeah, right. Way back, and now it now it does. It and, really does. Yeah, and it's I, crazy. And, and I up my game just by watching that stuff. Because absolutely, I'm, I'm definitely not writing down this name. So I did have a question for you. Um, so with with how things are going on in Spokane, there's there's a big. I mean, I know that with me being a studio owner prior, like trying to build a studio from the ground up, I've been finding that it's hard to get people to find value into spending money for you know certain quality and stuff. And so for you, 
how how do you continue to build up your studio and keep working with people to be able to find that it's worth to you know pay your prices and be able to work with you is it mostly people outside of spokane or um no. i mean it it's it's a lot of local and it's now growing to the world um you know we have people coming in from seattle now that are nice that's awesome not not even um not even like looking at comparisons of studios in Seattle and Spokane, they're choosing us because the quality is just better. Right. And it's, it's, it, it could be cheaper. I don't know with lodging and stuff, if it is or isn't, I don't have them a place for them to stay, but sure. The, this conversation is for me, if I, if I broke it down, it's like, I have to think about what I was doing 10 years ago and the way it is now. Yeah. And your question to the 10 year old me was it's, it's a, fucking grind like yeah the best thing i ever did was do live sound while running a studio because it's like okay band i just gave you an, a great experience on stage like your monitor sounded tight like all the shit that matters to a band for sound like they're yeah. like fuck dude we've never sounded this good or this clear or like no feedback or whatever and that's an easy segue in a conversation to be like, oh, well, I also have a studio. If you like that, like we should do a record. Yeah. And then they're going to be like, well, dude, like how much is that going to cost? And you're like, oh. you know, in, in the beginning, you always start out nothing. Yeah. Like you're not survive. You're surviving, but you're not like, you're not comfortable like at all. Like you're no. just, you're just grinding. You got your day job, you got your night job, and then you got your weekend studio gig. That's what I, I was running two jobs in a studio. Right. right? So, not a lot of people are willing to do that. A lot of people like they don't want to work that hard. So yeah. if you don't want to work that hard, like you're gonna have a tough time. Yeah. Sure. And then when it got to like moving out into Garland, uh, I had to make a choice. And that was that was a rate change. It was like, okay, I've been charging like 20 bucks per hour or less, which was a tough sell for some, about right for everybody else. But then when I'm in this new location, I'm like upping it to 50. Yeah. And I thought I'm going to be dead for sure. Like this is, uh, what am I doing? Like the, the week before I signed the paperwork for like a five-year lease, I was freaking out. Like, am I making the right choice? Yeah. Uh, now I'm going to have two mortgages essentially. And if I don't pay this shit, like I'm going to have to go through the process of renting it out to another dude just to pay off my lease for five years. Like, right. And if they don't, like I'm just, I'm fine. I'm going to have to, claim bankruptcy like I, I was going through all this in my mind sure and i'm raising my rates 30 dollars an hour like there i'm my yeah. my thought was they're gonna run for the fucking hills and i'm gonna be bust and this was a terrible idea and that's what everybody thinks in contrast we had we we quadrupled our income wow and is that just because of the types of people that you were working um, yeah types? i mean you gotta understand that the the lesson I learned and it's and it was it was taught to me and I believe it now. Um, we have a family friend. I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a he's a self made multi millionaire. Sure, he's my he's my parents' friend, and he did it in. I mean, a few years back, he was bust. Like he got divorced. He's living in a van basically, and then in seven years, he is he's retired at like fifty, and he's a multi millionaire. Wow, like he's he's those guy you know that like yeah. you listen to when it comes to this stuff. And I was telling him about my my reservations about moving out of the house, but I really wanted to. I thought my whole motivation was not money, but I wanted to have a bigger drum room. 
Sure. Like I wanted a bigger <laughs> studio because my basement, I didn't like the drum tones. Like I'd done it for years and I was like, well, I could have a bigger space. So that was my whole motivation. Right. This experiment of all this financial stuff I was going to have to do. I, I just, I wasn't even thinking of that. I was scared at the last part, but for the most part, I was like, I just want big drums. Yeah. Yeah. And that room wasn't even huge. Like I thought it was huge compared to my basement. But yeah. uh, talking to talking to our friend, I said, uh, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. He goes, he's like, you absolutely have to move out of the house. He goes, you you raise your rates, you move out, you do whatever you want. Because he goes, here's the thing. He goes, I wouldn't get my haircut in your basement. I would get my oil changed at your house, and I wouldn't record a record in your basement. And I was like, wow, that's harsh ass. But then, I, <laughs> but then when I when I thought about it, it made sense. It was like sure. there are going to be people that will always Walmart shop. They always want the lowest price, right? Right. But there's people that value things. Sure. And if you, they have the choice to record between somebody who doesn't ha- have enough value for what they're worth and somebody who is charging, they're going to pick that dude every time because they're going to want to want to know what's wrong with the other thing. Right. That's not they're not, yeah. not what they're looking for. And that was the type of customers I started getting was like I don't want to go to somebody's basement and I'm willing to pay for that. Well, that's yeah. awesome. that makes sense. And then as soon as I got that, then it made sense why in a year we quadrupled our income with all new types of customers. There were some people that were left behind. They liked the house thing, but they were in such a minority compared to all the new people that were like I was being exposed to. I mean, sure. And then, and then even still like with the new spot, now it's like I'm getting people from different states that are finding it, and nobody seems to have a problem with the price. If anything, there's a lot of people that are like, I'm saving up for that. Like I value the experience that I'm going to have there. I'm willing to save up. I don't get people I, – I don't look at – people that are negative that – I do get some people, and they're like, oh, man, you're crazy, and they hang up the phone, and I'm just like, well, shit, I'm booked till March. Like, fuck off. <laughs> oh, for real? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, and I know that you know you've, you get booked out pretty easily. I mean, there's, you, you do still good, get a lot of work. You, if you do a good job and you're – like, it's it's an experience business. It's not a recording business. It's an experience. If you give people an experience and, get, and then ultimately give them a good product, you're going to be fine. Because you can you can make it a terrible experience on a band where there's just tension all the time and then come back full circle and give them the mix of their life, but they're still going to remember the fucked up situations that happened yeah, and how terrible it was. that, that the, you, you could have a subpar mix and give them the best experience of their life and they'll probably come back to you. That's true. That's true. Because they just like working with you. Yeah, so absolutely. I've, I've always been good with people. I like people. I like, I like interesting people. Yeah, and there's been some dark times, you know, where I felt like I wasn't that person, and there's some bands that I regret uh, week long recording sessions with treating them a certain way that I did, and th- those have hurt me. Like the bands that have done three, four, five records, and we have that one week where I'm just like off. Yeah, I'm just like there's money and fucking taxes and blah blah blah, and some bands and like, and then you give them like you're kind of at each other, right? And then it comes back and it bites you in the ass. So we are in the experience business. You have to give people uh, your full attention. You have to give them all of you. It's exhausting sometimes when you're doing it week after week or day after day. But if you generally wake up in a good mood and everyone's having a good time and you do a good product, like you're going to be fine. Absolutely. You're going to be fine. 
and your your space is amazing. I mean, it's 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 already like comfortable to sit in and stuff. So it's like already it's not like going in into a dark basement that's kind of small and everything. So it's well, yeah. I mean, even my basement studio was. I I wanted to make sure that everybody felt comfortable. Like at the end of the day, I knew it was a basement. Yeah, but if you could kind of like get into it and kind of forget that it was true, true, then it then I knew I'd be fine, and that's what happened. And then when I went to the Garland, it was. A, a bigger version of my house. It had some wood and some stuff. I've always had a theme about a naturalistic vibe. Right. I've, I, I, when I went to Dark Horse in Nashville, it was like, oh, that's that's me. Like, I want log cabin walls. <laughs> thing. Like, I don't like the super modern, everything's purple and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and it's like, that. I, I just like, I want to feel like I'm in the Pacific Northwest in the woods for sure. An album. I don't know why. Absolutely. No, I'm with that. And I, I want to take this moment too to, uh, you know, when I was, God, how old was I then? I was like 21. I was two years out of moving away from Wenatchee. I went to school for audio and I was just like trying my best to record bands in the area. And I remember you actually contacted me. We went out to lunch mm. and you straight up looked me in the eye and told me, raise your fucking rate. And Kim's teriyaki. Yep. Yeah. Oh my God. That's one thing that I miss being on being on keto. I miss Kim's teriyaki so damn much. Oh, it's so good. But yeah, so we went out. Never thought I'd say that again after working across the street for six years. I was so (laughs) fucking sick of Kim's teriyaki. Now I'm like, I could probably do it again. (laughs) But I I remember you took me and you basically said like, you're doing really good. You're you're putting out good things raise your rate and i was terrified because i when i when i moved to spokane i was doing like the crazy ass 50 50 for a song back then that sounds horrible now by the way yes. i can't even fathom that idea but back then you were probably looking at me like i'm crazy if i try to do that yeah so now you see what eight ten years later like you <laughs> see the wisdom and you're like Fuck, he was right. No, I I, ra- I remember going home and I raised it. And like you said, you, you, some people get left behind that don't want to come with you. Yeah, they don't value but, anyway. So it's like. But, but you find the people that value and specifically mm-hmm. what you have to offer. And uh, that, that made it so now I've been full time for about six years now. No side job. The only thing that pays my bills is audio. So thank you for that. Hey, that's, I love hearing that. You know, in. That goes for anybody. If you're a photographer, audio engineer, whatever, just like I, I always said, like when they're like, well, how do you know when to, when to switch? And I go, when, when your job gets in the way of your hobby. That's true. Yeah. So if you're like, and this literally happened when I was working at the arena and I got called in to do something for some, like basically all I had to do was babysit like a lav mic or a lav yeah. mic all yeah. day. Yeah. And I'm like, I have to cancel a band that I've already booked out. And you want me to come in and do what? Yeah. That happened a few times. And I was like, you know what? I, I'd rather be at home recording than here doing nothing. And uh, absolutely. Uh, around the time you told me this, I was working. Uh, I had just started a part-time seasonal job at the time for Guitar Center. And within a month, I became the pro audio, pro audio department manager. And then like by the end of the three months, you had told me that. And that just kept sticking in my head. I was like... Man, am I even, which one am I making more in, the Guitar Center job, or was I making more doing audio, and I sat down one day, and I looked, and I was like, oh my god, like, I'm like, losing money by working at Guitar Center, and I was like, fuck, 
and I uh, used the discounts and left. Yeah. yeah, dude, you were in and out of there so fast. Three months. <laughs> I like. I came in, became the department manager, got to the three months, used the discounts, and was gone. Yeah, and absolutely that you're making less money too, because you're when you're a manager, you're closing, which means yeah. you're not making any sales. Because yeah. you're working towards the the end of the day when no one goes in there, so yeah. you're literally getting paid your your yeah. ten dollars an hour. It's a grind, but you get the deals for working there, and it. Yeah, I do miss that. I, I you do. gotta use the perks, man. Uh, dude, I I used them super hard, and there was one that I still think about where I got the four seven ten D, and the, I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to say this, but the four seven ten D, and it. then they gave the UAD accelerator. Do you mm-hmm. remember those? The Firewire. Mm-hmm. They were giving them out for free if you bought a 4710D. But if you really think about that, like the 4710D was like two grand at the time. And then like you get that unit for free with it. And that costs like a thousand dollars. But the thing is I was getting the discount. So I like what was worth about $3,000. I spent about 1200. There you go. I love it. And, and also nowadays it's so stick it to the man. It's I know, so right? hard <laughs> it's so hard to spend sixty dollars on a Mogami cable when you know that it actually costs oh, twelve dollars. Gosh, I bought all my cables then and I just hate oh, looking just at them. Redco. It's the same exact cable for half the price. No way. Yeah, Redco oh. sells Mogami cable with their name on it. Redco. Yeah. Second name I'm writing down. They'll build you Eric patch Valentine, Redco. Dude, Redco, it's the same fucking wire. Oh my god. Thank you. Man, I have to change your life. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling my son I get a discount on my next patch bay order because it's going to be huge. So do do we just call them up and say, "Um, Jimmy? I don't don't know. I probably I probably overstepped there. They'll be like, "Who the fuck is Jimmy?" It's like, no, 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 okay, no. You say it again. Oh, excuse me. Um. Jimmy, yeah. it's like, oh, that's they're that's gonna a, they're they're gonna get to know me in a bit because my next project is gonna be like basically rewiring the entire fucking studio. Oh boy, yeah, that sounds I'm, I'm doing all all uh, Mogami or Redco patch, all the things. I mean, it's all getting pulled. So mic cables, everything. It's it's one of those things where I can do it. I can afford to do it now, and I've always wanted to do it. But literally, I'm using cables that I used when I was 18 years old. I mean, still in yeah. the mix somewhere. I just want to. Just want to clean it all. Yeah, I and I and the patch bays are sick. They're like these little uh, EIC connectors. So you, it's basically you just slip them into these clips, slip those into this plastic EIC clip, and then that just plugs into the back of the patch bay. It's like it's like star grounding, all the best shit. You don't have to worry about radio yep. or noise, and you can. It's it's like ninety six point patch bay. Oh like wow. One rack unit is like or forty eight point. That's pretty cool. Across the top. So I think it's 96, right? 48 times two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so 48 channels on one single space unit. Like it's Jesus. It's, it's crazy. I'll definitely have to look into that company for sure. Okay. I mean, I, I'm I'm I in need them. of some new cables at some point. But they do, uh, they do the star or the quad cable too, the Mogami quad for your mic cables, which I learned from them that all you need is one like like if if you have like a long run, you don't need that. You just need any cable that plugs into that patch. Could mm-hmm. be a it can be a, a quad cable and that will give you the benefit. Oh hell yeah! So, so as you've been kind of building up um, and doing it over time, you I know that you've been dealing with some pretty big acts too, right? Some some yeah. people that have come in, like a one big thing that we know about is that record. What was it? was it a, uh, the plaque? The plaque? The, the, the platinum the plaque, plaque you have, right? So the story behind that is there's a, an artist named Matthew Coma, who's he was huge in the um, the EDM world. Okay, and now he is in a band called Winnetka Bowling League, which is kind of this indie fun little band. What a wild ass name! Yeah, 
he's he's an amazing songwriter and at the time he was on the same label as zed and um he booked the studio for two days they were on tour with lmfao and like all these different artists right um and I, I didn't know what we were doing he just said we're gonna book two days and write three songs and on the invoice it said zed and that song was written at garland that's incredible. That's yeah. super cool. Fucking right. Like he calls me up six months later. He's like, Jimmy, that song we got in the studio is like blowing up. It's like, it's gold. And I'm like, oh, which one? He's like, Clarity. I'm like, it it, it, it was one of those songs where it was just starting to play on the radio and like I heard it like once or twice. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, I think I do remember us doing that one. And then, you know, so much time goes by and then like a year later, he's like, oh, it's platinum. And then, and then I was like, holy fuck. That's super cool. Um, and then, you know, Matt's such a cool dude that he just included us in the credits. So that's awesome. He's like, I couldn't have written that studio without your studio. And it's fucking, you that's deserve fucking it. awesome. That's what, super cool. What did you end up helping with on that? Like, was just, it just the space? Like engineering and the space. And like, he's, he's the credited songwriter, obviously. But, yeah. But um, yeah, it's just that's still so fucking cool. Just having that develop in your studio space and then see it go to the charts and fucking become a monster. It's one of the biggest songs of all time. Yeah, no, era. I remember Dude, that song. Real. Written like, right on Garland in my fucking studio. It's like... <laughs> Man, if I had a platinum record, I don't care how heavy that is, I'd be putting a chain on it, wearing it around my neck everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I did I did, I did. did put it in the new, uh, the new recording booth I just put up. Uh, Hell yeah. For inspiration. Like, I just... I want to get one for my band and we've been talking about what numbers we would need to hit and all the charts and stuff, but yeah. fuck our band online is killing it. Like I've never been in a band that's had this much online success. Yeah. And so, you've been mentioning before that um, I think I either heard in, you know, from someone else or you had mentioned that some things that you guys have been doing to promote yourself have actually been getting your songs submitted to other channels to use for their all videos. Do. All we do. And so that's how you've been able to get so many plays. Yeah, it's the curator thing. It's like Chris figured it out. He read all the shit online and took some classes, paid for some, some he didn't have to, and then came out on the other side of like thousands of hours of reading. Sure. And this has been going on since his other band, Oceans Divide. Like he toured with Breaking Benjamin and Oceans Divide. Oh wow. And that band has royalties that he gets. Oh, yeah. And some of the that band hasn't been a band for five years and they're still getting fucking royalty checks. So that's crazy. Chris became aware. Like he he was woke on what it could be. So he's been like diving into how to do this. And he's like, all I needed was a band like ours. He's like, it's cinematic, kids who play video games and do all this shit can use our music for their background stuff it's good for anime it's good for nightcore it's good for twitch i mean our music can be in anything right yeah that's the that like comic books right movies shit like that so i mean he's i i shouldn't give too much away because we're actually going to start implementing this into our packages at the studio because now that you have this song i want you to have the same success that my band's had Sure. So if you spend like a grand on a song, you could potentially make fucking six grand in two years off the song. So it becomes nice. It becomes almost like an investment just to sure. come to us. That's a great and just for people who don't know, your band is called Everyone Loves a Villain. Yeah, you can check it out. Uh, it it's like I said, I've been in multiple bands in the past, and I've and I've worked with bands my whole life. I've like for a bunch of middle aged dudes in this town. To be pulling over eight hundred thousand streams on two songs and That's crazy over like two million somewhat subscribers on all these different YouTube channels, 
and the and the income. Right. I, I don't even want to tell you what we're doing a month. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> and I'm just like, God, I should teach people how to do this. And then, like I said, we're talking about the long game. Like it's self, it, it builds the scene. Because if every band is recording with me and every band's getting these numbers over time. Sure. And they're all just funneling it back into having all this discretionary income for their bands like it only help like money makes the world go around absolutely like it, it, great art is one thing but if you have the shitty gear and bad recordings and no yeah. venues like you're 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 fighting an uphill battle absolutely so i, I kind of want to use spokane as like my experiment and get all these bands to come record and then do all these marketing strategies that we've done and in a year see how it is that'd be super cool i mean that, just kind of adding, <coughs> adding that to the the multiple services that you provide at Amplified Wax. I mean, you guys not only yeah, do... Reg- I mean, oh. I won't be doing it. Like, Chris would be doing it, or I, we'd have other people doing it, because it's... he. I mean, I'm not going to lie. The reason why people don't do it is because it's a lot of emails. It's it like, is. It's a lot of grinding. But yeah. once you get... Like, Chris has gotten his network now. So he's, sure. he's kissed all the frogs and got the people that are are accepting of his requests and yeah. know who he is. So right. that's how we can turn Keenan to other bands. We're like, okay, well, if you pay us this, we'll just hand it to this dude. And they, because it's coming from him, they're going to listen to it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the network part, but right. it took a long time for him to do that. And I, and I, I make it sound like it was really easy, but he, he, it's not easy. Like he, the playlist that he's gotten to pick him up. I mean, there's like Chinese ones and Japan people and like weightlifters and shit in other countries that have millions of people that he's found. Like you wouldn't even know where to search like this dude, but he's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of Japan. That's <laughs> he's playing our cool. music in his workout videos. That sounds that sounds terrifying. Yeah, what is that? What does an Asian Arnold Schwarzenegger look like? Fuck, like Chun Li. <laughs> 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 Oh man. <laughs> or Jetly, one of the two. I think there's a difference. <laughs> Did you say Chung Lee? Like Chun Li. I realize that's the that's the female Street Fighter character. That's probably not what he looks like, but <laughs> Um Street Fighter. Oh, I haven't played that in so long. Oh, I grew up on Street Fighter. That uh, that was the arcade hustle. The art go down. Oh, you, you, did you like? Oh man, I'm not so good. But you want to play? No, for the money? arcade hustles. You take your couple bucks worth of quarters and you see how long you can destroy everybody. And because every time a new a newcomer comes up, it's their quarter that's playing. Yeah. Oh sure, because it's like all right, challenger, you got you got the quarters, boom, boom, and then you just next. Oh my god, I've been terrible at those fighting games. It pisses mm. me off. I can't tell you how many times that I've tried to throw my controller after like playing Mortal Kombat or something like that. I can't do it on a console. I have to do it with a stick like, because you you don't have something to throw. At well, that it's point. The, the motion of your fingers <laughs> is is different than being able to those moves on those jo- on the and and the 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 reaction time is different on the arcade. Like I can't. <laughs> I'm gonna date myself, but I came around about like Mortal Kombat. Yeah, like the first Mortal Kombat yeah. was like I was like fifteen or some shit. It was like, <laughs> so but you could you could basically bust a whole move in half of a second. Yeah, and then it would do it. Sure, like the it would just like the they were amazing machines. Like the right. reaction, and then you got like SNES, and you're like, it is a little bit more difficult. Way more yeah. difficult, yeah. especially back then. Those controllers were just trash on the original consoles, like. I remember when Mortal Kombat came out for the Super Nintendo and they had to make the blood green. 
Oh yeah, or spit or like gray, like they could, and then Sega's version, like it didn't do that. So oh my like, gosh. You, like people were like, I'm buying the the Genesis <laughs> because I get Mortal Kombat with the real blood. I miss the simplicity the of those games. Blood, yeah, where it was just like at most you had an A and a B, and you had the left and right trigger. I miss the simplicity of that. Instead of now, you have left and right and left two and right two and you've got x and blah 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 <laughs> there's so many buttons and as you say this i know which console you play on <laughs> well kid the, but the younger kids today like that doesn't even phase them like it's my kids will just grab my old nes and they're like it's like a baby's toy like they hate it <laughs> like what the hell oh their little God. minds are programmed like supercomputers now they're like yeah so it's got 25 buttons like give me a keyboard i'll show you what's up you know oh my gosh yeah Oh, so time. so kind of just segueing back to the studio just real quick. No, go for it. I don't know how you're <laughs> talking about that. But uh um so out of all the different kinds of styles of music that you've been working with, I mean you've worked with metal, you've worked with pop, rap. Um what's right now, what's kind of your jam? What's your favorite style of music that's been kind of coming into your studio? Oh, like Alan Stone shit. Ooh. Just like soulful oh. like people that can just sing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Metal's, metal's great, but I'm old now. Like, my ears are tired. <laughs> Fuck. It's, like, <laughs> I want to just turn it up and just be like a hug. I don't want to get yelled and screamed at. You know, even yeah. my band, it's like, there's, it's so high gain all the time that I think after just so many years of doing it, like, I love it, but I love it in small doses. But sure. I can, but I can listen to a female singer songwriter with some vocal synth and some sick reverbs and like doing like, trance pop right she's good I, I can do that all day oh hell yeah like, like i don't know it i love the smooth jams i love uh this guy travis ray i'm working with he's got some sick songs it's just very different it's like nine inch nails meets like bone i bone of i i don't fucking know how to say that guy's name bon Iver. yeah bon Iver. Yeah. it's just very eclectic but modern and he's got some right. heavy stuff he's got some light stuff um it's just it's amazing the circle of people that I get that you guys probably have never even heard. Sure, and it's all good shit. Well, hell it's yeah. all good shit, and That's it's awesome. like people that coming out of their basements and their fucking garages and it's two states away, and you're just like you just come across these gems of bands that sure. have never played a show. Like there's like the scene groups, where right? You know all the bands because it's like all the scenes that you go to, but. I'm telling you guys, and this is why you shouldn't be afraid about opening up a space. Your narrow vision of the people that you think are recording, and this happened to me, the people that you think record based on the shows that you play and the bands that you see, we're basing our reality on that small prism when reality, there's a universe that's beyond your scope that's out there. Right. That are all talented. Yeah. Most are talented. Like, <laughs> like there's the like there's the bands that you see that like they have the courage to go and form a group and like play live and they do the rotation and there's like five or six of those, but there there's five or six out of two hundred. Sure. That's, yeah. that's how big it is out there. Right. And that's what I realized when I moved too was like, holy shit, I'm recording people I've never even heard of. And that's super cool. But they're looking for somebody who's you know, at a certain level too. Like, yeah, absolutely. So before we start kind of winding down and kind of finishing up here, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is, is a, you know, anytime I work, I'm talking with someone who has a lot of experience in doing what they do. 
I, I kind of want to talk about your worst experience that you've ever had. You don't have to name names, obviously, mm. but is there a, a, a worst experience in your studio, either in the beginning or anything like that, that you would like to share? <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I had another podcast I did a week a few weeks back and I got asked the same thing. So I'm not going to use that story. Sure. Yeah. And that was with Sam, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love those guys. Those um, guys are amazing. And my wife reminded me of it. She's like, I'm surprised you didn't talk about the other story. So I'm going to. Sure. Do, do oh, we get one. the other story. This, this story is, is way less uh, confrontational and way more kind of hilarious. <laughs> I cannot wait, but it definitely falls on one of the worst experiences for me. Sure. Um, so this goes back to the basement and do you guys know who Josh Kreitz is? Yes. Yeah. So Josh Kreitz was my intern. It's, it's funny to think I had interns in my basement studio, like, <laughs> which basically Josh would just come over and we just play video games. Hell yeah. <laughs> like we had the That's racing. A great internship. <laughs> I, went out, I, I, just, I love racing games. And yeah. there was this, there was this, this game called Drift and this is kind of side channel, but I got the Logitech wheel. And right. the pedals. Oh my god! And I, I strapped those. it to my desk, and I could pull the desk out. And we had bungee cords, so like it would have good tension. And then <laughs> we would we had this TV that came down from the ceiling, and then my studio speakers, and we would fucking crank that shit up, and we would just play drift, dude, and just oh like that's, so that's mostly that's what we did. He just come over, <laughs> he's like, you "Got any bands today?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "Drift." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's awesome. So during this era, getting back on topic, uh, we got this call from this this metal band that. Uh, they were probably more new metal, like thrash, than actual like m the metal that I was used to doing. It had, sure, it had to be metal. Yeah, it, so, it always is. So, <laughs> this guy comes in with his drum kit, and the first thing that threw me off was the drum kit looked like a machine. It was like steampunked out. Like the floor drum was turned sideways like a marching band and then he had two kick pedals on these like cable systems so it was like ba 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 like like that it was double kick but it was like that's painful like a marching drum no <laughs> and then i'm thinking okay so how do you mic this <laughs> I, was, <laughs> so I, was I was just going to say thinking that <laughs> i was like wait how do you mic it his response was classic he's like i cut a hole in the shell in the front you stick it in there Good. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like so stressed now. Well, it gets better. It gets oh, better. No. It gets better. So Kreitz is kind of standing next to me. He's like, well, that's something you don't see every day. He's like, how are you going to mic that? And the guy's like, well, there's a hole right here. He's like, he cut a hole in his shell. I'm like, yeah, I saw that. Like, oh, so that's where the mic's going. And just phase alone, putting a mic in there with two skins going. Oh, going back. Like the speaker's probably just like. <laughs> Like I'm thinking every everything in my mind about school and like how this is a bad idea. And this guy's just thinking it's the fucking best thing ever. Like oh he my was God. so proud of himself. Oh my God. Like, he's like, Yeah, when we play live shows, like people always ask me like about my drum kit. I'm like It's a I'm, conversation starter for sure. Yeah. I, I mean he's he's like, you, he's like he I think he started to realize I wasn't stoked. Yeah. And he couldn't understand why. And that was one of those like experience. Like we that the band and I did not have a good experience. Oh god. Because I was coming out of a place of like you guys are fucking idiots. And they were coming out of a place like you just don't get it. You don't get it. You know? So it was it's not a phase. And I was young enough back then where I I was not I don't have the ability like I do now to uh compromise. <laughs> like I was like, You're fucking wrong. Like we're gonna drum replace every fucking beat of this. And he was like back then that was like 
taboo. Oh right? yeah, God. that was a crazy idea then. So uh, that was one thing. And then his toms were set up pretty flat, which I like, up top above this sideways kick drum. And then sideways kick drum. And then the he had a hi hat that was placed right above those, which also had another cable, of course, that came down. So he had a foot pedal for that with a cable system. I mean, the dude like thought I think he thought about this drum kit, like how can I make this the weirdest the weirdest thing possible? <laughs> yeah. And then in my perspective, it's like great. All my tom mics are now hi hat mics. Oh. Because it was like hi hat toms and the hi-hat's a lot of shit oh damn always is and usually it's like way the fuck over here on the left yeah. and it's out of the way and sure it's a little snare bleed not this every tom was unusable it was just you know and it's just all these toms are right there uh the last thing we put up his symbols finally and they are just the shittiest sounding symbols in the world <laughs> And I could have guessed this. <laughs> no, of but, course he cut corners on symbols. No, 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 no. Oh, this is on purpose. <laughs> no, the symbols were burnt. Oh my! Fucking. And fucking warped from heat. Oh my god! They were the worst sounding fucking symbol. Like, <laughs> and I said, I don't mean to be rude, but those are the worst fucking symbols I've ever heard. <laughs> I go, it, it, it looks like they were thrown in a fire. <laughs> Like I was like I said, uh, were these like your grandpa's or something? Oh my god! Were they in an attic somewhere Don't, for fifty did, years? Did he think it was a good idea? He goes, well, the reason why they look like that is because I threw them in a bonfire. I said, <laughs> I said, this isn't real. I said, this is real. <laughs> Josh Kreitz can testify to this. I have oh, witness. This is amazing. He's trying. He's he's like out the side of that door, like just fucking trying not to lose it. Oh, while I'm standing there god. going like. I'm literally getting paid for this and I got to figure out a way to make this, like put my name on it. Did and, he these, a, and they're here. They're like the shit's set up and I'm like, we're ready to go in like an hour. Did he have a reason uh, for why he put it in a bonfire? Yes. Oh, of oh, course God. he did. I was getting to that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> of course. So setting the scene, I'm, I'm looking at him like a fucking canine unit dog when it looks at you like it's about you know like, like what? Yeah. What the fuck? The suspense is killing me. And Josh Kreitz is standing out the door like, what the fuck? This is this dude's this crazy. is amazing. He goes, I threw him in a bonfire because I played a show down at so and so's bar, and the sound guy there said that my cymbals were too wet sounding, so I threw him in the bonfire to dry them out. <laughs> no. <laughs> True fucking story. Did he say it like completely straight faced? Totally like. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. What do you think about that? Fuck yeah, that's the best idea ever. He's like, nailed it. I'm so. <laughs> I look over and Josh bolts up the stairs because he didn't want to get caught laughing his ass off, which I could hear him outside. Oh my God. Oh, that is legendarily dumb. I was like, uh, well, like you. Worst experience ever. Like you. you I, could, I, I think I burned that hard drive after recording that. Oh my like, god! I was like, "Please, this <laughs> did, band's not." They, I hope they burn don't it have any it was friends. Because <laughs> if anybody hears this, I'm out of work. Wait, did they put your name on it and stuff too? I, I don't remember. I don't even fucking remember the name of the band. I remember the dude, kind of what he looked like. I remember the drum kit for sure. And I remember him <laughs> saying that and just being like, 
That is Bro. such a legendarily dumb thing to say. Oh my god, that's Oh my god. And th- those are like stories you don't make that up. Like yeah. that's <laughs> Absolutely you... not. Oh my god. Well, god. I've got I've got more like yeah. we I... will definitely have to have you come back in for another episode. led with that question. Yes. I got yeah. fucking you know what, and, and the thing is, too, is that I was kind of I'm mentioning this in, a, in another episode before is talking about now we've gotten to a point to where there aren't very many like newer people that we can bring in. Wow, my voice just cracked. Yeah. There. <laughs> but uh, to bring in for like, you know, the who are you and kind of thing. So I'm, I'm going to get to a point where I'm going to start bringing people back in to talk about some other stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously for you, we're definitely going to want to, you know, have you back in again to kind of further um, delve into different kinds of things, especially, I mean, funny shit like that. I want to hear more of that because that's, oh, I, I mean, I can make for, a coffee table book out of the shit that oh I've seen. Oh my God. And that's amazing. So like, you know, for how, how long you've done it, you're bound, you're bound to come across just ridiculous situations. So oh, yeah. we definitely want to have you come back in again, if you're down. I mean, if I'm, Always. Dude, I mean, you guys are my peeps, man. Like it's helping out the guys last week. I got another guy, but I mean. I, I, I like doing these things. I think they're fun to just like tell people about the past and talk about audio related stuff. I mean, you don't get a chance to do that with most people. Most people, they <laughs> they see me and they go, what do you do for a living? I'm like, at my daughter's softball game and all the parents and they're like, I'm like, oh, uh, I record bands for a living and they just kind of like look at me like, what the fuck? Yeah. At you, least what you do is actually... It'll never get easier. They just think that they're like a million times. dad. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I swear oh to God, God, they always give me the same look. They're like, is there a lot of demand for that? <laughs> a lot of demand. Oh my God. At least what you do, people know what that is. Like I, I tell people, oh, I, I edit audiobooks, and they just go, oh, oh cool that's that's kind of cool and it's like do you know what an audiobook is it's like it's it's like you know you know when you listen to it instead of reading it and they're like oh you edit those and i'm just like no they're perfect all from, from, the, <laughs> from the very beginning the reader just reads yeah. all the way through but uh yeah i mean Dude, you've had some fantastic stories you've told me with your your new audiobook job where like you get to hear people just flip the fuck out it's amazing when yeah. they get something some wrong. of these I've, readers i've, I've been in sessions like that yes it's incredible there's this one guy that i actually had and he his voice started to get scratchy because i mean you have five days of recording and you probably on average record like you know you have like a five hours of sessions per day your voice starts to get really tired by the very end and so it was the last session and the dude was about halfway through and he and he messes up and he just goes jesus fucking christ <laughs> and she's like do you need to take a break like the you can hear the director is like do you need to take a break it's like yeah I, I, this is gonna be my last title i'm af- i'm afraid i just can't do this anymore <laughs> and so like <laughs> <laughs> so like definitely witnessed like and, and oh and what's amazing too is hearing some of these people from the uk because these studios are not just in the u.s i mean we have studios in, in not only in la and new york but they're also in the uk and so the, the there's a whole new level of cursing over there so like the the way that <laughs> so it the, the combinations of words that they sometimes put together it's amazing i love that it, it is amazing yeah uh, i think someone said uh something about trouser gravy like in one of his, <laughs> it says like oh it's just a bunch of trouser gravy definitely gonna steal that 
I actually I say, and like you don't even know how to use it. I, 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 oh, I know exactly how uh, to use trouser gravy. <laughs> hey, if you want it, I actually saved the audio and I consolidated it and bounced it. So that, if you want that, that clip, that could be a whole new business for you. Just a whole site. I know, just full Shit of shit I found from audiobooks outtakes. And what's kind of funny is that I've actually heard that some people actually take some like lines that are like said if they like mess up or whatever and they put them like right before a breakdown or they like they, <laughs> they put them like right before the song starts or whatever. And it's like, this is amazing because it's just the voice and I can just totally mess with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's got, it's got its perks. It's got it's got its perks for sure. But uh, well, I, I think at this point, we unfortunately have to say goodbye mm. and uh, we've gotten we, we've gotten over a lot of good information talking about a lot of stuff but i will admit there are a lot of things that we wanted to cover that we didn't cover just yeah. because oh, you're no no okay. no that's it's exact, a good thing exactly because that I gives us a reason to have you come back at I'm least good. we didn't go through all the topics yeah. in 20 minutes and then just be like what do we do now does that happen with guests um do you ever have a guy who's like this guy's boring as fuck <laughs> <laughs> luckily luckily we we have not had too many issues with anyone who has been like super like let's just say that there are definitely people who are good at keeping the conversation going and there are obviously people that are a little bit harder to have organic conversations they just with, answer so. the question yeah <laughs> like what do you feel about this they're like no yeah and next question and i think we do good we try to prepare like me and Corey try to prepare different questions from each other so we don't have the same questions and kind of be awkward yeah it would be awkward it's like if i ask the question and then you answer it and then scott then you can hear that should be a joke you can hear the paper just just like um i have a question for you so (laughs) like ask the same fucking thing (laughs) that might i mean we have had some kind of (laughs) slow The funny thing is that after is some of these. It looks kind of slow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! You know we will have to do that one of these times. Do you say slow anymore? Is that like I don't know anymore? I I don't know. Everything offends everyone. I just kind of scared you on fire when I said that. I'm sorry. I just no. You're good. (laughs) I offend Scott when nothing is recording and nothing is on video, and that's that's fine because. Because then I just know that I can offend I can offend just my friend who doesn't care. Yeah. Right in front of me. Yeah, we'll we'll say offensive things in private and then try to not That's say where as we're much. at. Yep. Yeah. We used that, to say offensive things in public. I know. Yep. I don't give a shit. Not anymore. Not I was anymore. I, I'm excited for us to do this again. It's it's actually kind of trippy because you really don't often get to sit in a room with three audio engineers. For real. I knew that it, that, that alone was going to make this a fun episode. I want to do a podcast where it's just like Pensado's place. Like it's all local dudes just talking. Like it could be us three every week talking about like, hey, did you check out this new compressor and blah, 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 blah. I would love to. Or like, what do you feel about this song that just came out by this band? Like, how do you think that was recorded? Like, have you, I mean, I've got some shit that, dude, that like this week just blew my mind. Like, yeah. I'm, t- I'm totally mixing drums differently as of like yesterday. Absolutely. Nice. And and that's what oh, I was kind of getting into is that I, I, um, I'm getting to the point to where I'm going to start m- taking these episodes and changing it a bit to where it's going to be more discussion based, talking about different things. Uh, you know, um, I mean, I want a lot more value to be brought into the episodes and like helping other people as well, which is like, you know, when we had Jesse Barton come in, that was an incredible episode to have because uh, he ended up showing a lot boy. of. Yeah, he yeah. he gave a lot of great tips and tricks on how to make yourself known. Scott himself, his um, for his episode alone, um, we 
talked about how his band, you know, did really well because I mean it's it's important stuff and that it's well, he it's, works, he also works his ass off. Like yeah. That, yeah. that dude helped me build the studio and I got to see firsthand and just become like a brother to him and his brother and see with his band what he's doing and there's nobody I know that works harder. Like that yeah. like that on the road grind all the time, like back home for a week, back out again. Yeah. Yeah. Go tour manage, go record. I mean that dude is like and running a you know what he can to make money back home. I mean, the guy works his ass off. I think. I guess the only thing that he didn't work hard on was making the football team in school yeah. because there were only eleven people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Dude, I th- the first recording I ever did for him was like his girlfriend was the singer, and I always like if we really want to get to him, I'll be like, I'll sing the chorus around him, like. <laughs> <laughs> painfully and he'll just oh, like fucking shut up <laughs> that's amazing so funny before yeah, Matt he, was a singer there was another singer oh Jesse's lovely a, Jesse's just a great dude too he's been one of those guys that he's like uh, if you just go and ask him a question you can barely fucking know him and you could walk up and uh, like message him on Facebook and ask him like hey what'd you do for your uh, your press release for your band he'd be like this is what I did he'd tell you that yeah. yeah, if he doesn't like you, he can tell you that shit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, I mean, I've he's definitely been a guy that I go to if I ever have questions about stuff. Yeah. I mean, he's and he's always responding, which I appreciate the hell out of yeah. because well, you guys are like I said, you're in that circle of people that he values and trusts. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, as we are kind of closing up here, Jimmy, thank you so much for being on the episode today. Hey. It has been an absolute blasty poo. Scott, you're cool too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me, right? I like Scott. That's good Scott's too. a good guy. I mean, we we have been close since the first 20 minutes that we met. Yeah. Um, we were working together and and uh, I asked him, like I wrote something on like drums or whatever. And, he, and I'm like, hey, what do you think this sounds like? And he goes, it sounds like shit. Before and, like, he even hit play. Yeah. And I knew right then we were going to be friends forever. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah. That's, your, that's Honestly, literally how it went too. <laughs> it's hard to find people that are like tell you how it is man exactly exactly yeah. the, the the friends that are the closest ones are the ones that will tell you things that you might not want to hear and yeah. I tell Scott all the time how ugly he is and, <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> you're a good looking guy Scott oh thanks yeah, so thank are you, you. Oh, well, also, thank you. I like your hair length, by the way, where it is. I oh, don't really? know why I'm doing it's this. Gonna, but... It's going to get longer. Yeah. I'm just going to keep going. I've actually been enjoying just growing my hair out and then donating it. That's just been kind of something I've been wanting to do. You'll over have and to over. keep up. I'm Mine's pretty long. Now. Your, yours is getting super long. I, I, you also straighten your hair, don't you? Yeah, but that's because, dude, if I my hair is super curly. Like, really? Really. Like, if, uh, and my girlfriend can attest to this, but like, if, if I shower, it looks like someone took a fucking curling iron to my hair. It's like, he's like ludicrous, basically. <laughs> Lud- <laughs> like, too fast, too furious, ludicrous. Yeah, it, it really happens. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, this is CR King in the house for the Who Are You podcast. Thanks for listening in. Check us back next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Take care. <laughs>